Thank you, guys. Um, I'm so excited because Pastor Crystal, I can't see in these lights, <laughs> is speaking. And what an honor and a privilege, you guys. I put in a speaking request on her website for this event. I was like, hey, I really want you to speak at our next Creative Collective. And she was like, uh, okay. And then I was like, no, let me make this official. I went on crystalsparks.org. I got to the speaking request portion, and I clicked to submit a form, and I told her, you know, you can, our lead pastor will pay you whatever you want. <laughs> so um, really and truly, I love our Creative Collectives. It's such a fun time, and I love that, like, we all get to connect and really unite together under one vision. And so I thought, who better than Pastor Crystal Sparks herself, who, like, has poured so much vision and poured so much into my gift. When I didn't, um, like, if you guys don't know, I do, like, video and graphic design and, like, a bunch of random stuff for our church. And before, like, I used to work in Paint and Microsoft Word. And she was like, can you make something for my blog in, like, 2008, 2010? And I was like, Sure. I'll do it in paint. And uh, she was like, this is really good. What program do you use? And I was like, paint. And she was like, what could you do with Photoshop? And I was like, I don't know, probably a lot more. And so she said, I'll buy Photoshop for you. And like literally, you guys, the rest is history. So, um, so grateful for her. I love you so much. Words, that's it. I have no words. I love you. Okay, here we go. I'm going to steal this music stand because I've got notes. Is that okay? Because um, I've got a Bible, and it's big, right? Are you guys doing good? I feel kind of weird to be up on a stage with y'all. I feel like I should be on the floor. Uh, Donnie, you made it. Donnie made it. Yay. This is perfect. That's great. You're fine, Denver. You're fine. Or Jeremy, you're fine. Yeah, totally fine. We're good. We're going to just go music stand. That's great. This is what I record YouTube on. If it's good enough for YouTube, it's good enough for y'all, right? How are you guys doing? Are y'all doing good? Are you excited? Wasn't that so good? Man, that was awesome. Can we just give, the, give it up for them one more time? That was so good. Isn't it refreshing? I don't know about you guys, but like I always cry so much whenever I'm able to worship and I don't have the pressure of a service. And it's funny because I don't even feel like it'll be funny. I'll go to another church and I'll just be there visiting or Brian will be speaking, which is my favorite because I always know it's good when he preaches. And I'll be sitting there in worship and just bawling, crying, like bawling, crying, like uncontrollably because you finally are able to worship. And if everything goes wrong, it's not your fault. And it's okay. Do you all know what I'm talking about? Does anybody else know what I'm talking about? It's so refreshing to be in those times of worship. And so, um, okay, so I'm really excited about the word I have for you guys. And we're going to be in First Chronicles. And um, I've just been in this journey, and I'm going to kind of take you through that to the, today um, for the few minutes that we have together. Um, can we just open up in prayer real quick before we start? Uh, Jesus, we just thank you uh, for who you are, and uh, Lord, thank you for what you're doing in this house, and God, I thank you that what started in this house, Father, is going to go around the world, and it already is. Like, we're already seeing that, but Father, I just thank you that as we lean into you in these moments, God, I thank you that just as with Jacob, as he 
journeyed, Lord, he saw the angels ascending and descending. And, and he said, surely the presence of God was here, and I didn't even know it. Father, I just thank you that you are visiting us right now, that, Father, we're not just gathering together for nothing, but, Lord, we're gathering together because we want to know you more. And, Lord, we want to represent you more into the world and, and the communities that we find ourselves in. Uh, Jesus, just speak to us in these moments together in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. You know, um, I've been kind of on this pursuit, and I'm going to talk to you a little bit bare, if that's okay. Um, in this pursuit of what makes the difference of a person that comes into a Sunday morning gathering, and they find themselves in our midst, and they absolutely love it, and they go through next steps, and next thing we know, they're on our team, and then we look up, and they pledge their allegiance to us for life, and we um, baptize their children, and we watch them start making baby steps in the Lord, only to look up, and six to nine months later, like, they're gone. Like, what's the difference in that and to the person who is like Crystal Figueroa, our creative director, who I've literally watched from a young age, like from uh, going through youth ministries and going off to college and then now coming here and, and serving faithfully in the house and literally giving her life for the, for the vision and, and being a part to people like you guys that are giving like heart and soul every week. Like, what's the difference in the person who, because it's the same message. It's the same church. They hear the same songs. They, they go to the same groups. So what's the differentiating factor? What, what is the thing that separates them apart? And so I'm reading through in First Chronicles, and, and I was reading about, and I believe it's in First Chronicles uh, chapter 9, and it talks about the tribe of Levi. And there was a sect among them that they had, their only job was to count the utensils in the, God's house. Okay, I've just got to say that if everybody else, like you got one guy whose his job was the brazen altar, one guy is the laver, one guy he's in there, you know, presenting sacrifices, and your job is to count utensils. Like, I don't know about y'all, but I would be like, is there really any other freaking job than this? Like, seriously, I'm going to count spoons every day for the rest of my life. This is what I'm going to do. But it says, and they were faithful to all that God had them do. And I'm like, what is the differentiating factor? And so then I'm reading through this. And, and if you're taking notes today, and I hope that you are because paper never forgets. And um, I want you to title this message, this talk, this time together as No Task is Too Small. And I come along to First Chronicles chapter 11. And it tells us a story of three men. And these three men are no surprise to us. We've heard them talked about many a times before. Um, they're found in Second Samuel. And, and they're David's three mighty men. And, and I stumble across Eleazar. And we've heard the story of Eleazar so many times. Pastor Brian preaches one of the best messages on Eleazar defending a bean field. If you've never heard it, like go through the archives. It's freaking ridiculous. Um, but I've always thought about it because it says that he fought for so long that his hand was wielded to the sword. And I always wondered, what was it about the bean field that made him like give his life for a field of beans? And I was reading through it this morning and just something hit me so strong. First Chronicles chapter 11, 12 and 14. And it says, and next to him in rank was Eleazar, son of Dodo, the Hittite, one of the three mighty men. And he was with David at Pazdam, <laughs> where David had gone long, had David had long before slain Goliath. And there the Philistines were gathered for battle, where there was a plot of ground full of barley or lentils. 
And the men of Israel fled before the Philistines. And Eleazar, one of the three, stood in the midst of the plot and defended it and slew the Philistines. And until his hand was weary and cleaved to the sword, and the Lord saved by a great victory and deliverance. You know, see, what I thought about is I've always wondered what was it about the bean field. And when I read it today, I finally got what it was about the bean field. It wasn't about the bean field. It was about what the bean field represented. It says right there, it was the exact place where David had defeated Goliath. And all of a sudden I went back into my mind and I remembered that when David stood before Goliath, he looked at his brothers in frustration why no one was going into battle. And he asked a question. And this question was the question still ringing in Eleazar's ears as he stood on the same place where David had stood generations before. And he said, is there not a cause? David said, is there not a cause? Is nobody going before him? Is there not a cause? Do we not have something to defend, something to fight for, something to give our lives for that we all just sit here and take the taunts of this enemy? And all of a sudden I realized that Eleazar was fighting not for a field of beans. He was fighting for the victory that that field of beans stood for. And all of a sudden I began to realize that in our lives, our lives are only as meaningful as the cause we attach it to. That's why Jesus went standing before Pilate. Pilate says, are you the king? He said, you answered rightly. For this cause, I was born. And he begins to talk about how he's given his life. See, it wasn't the death on the cross that it was all about. It was about the cause that it was attached to. And all of a sudden, I began to realize that for us as a community of believers, when our life starts being and feeling like beans, it's because we've forgotten the cause that it's attached to. Because it's never about what we think it's about. And here's the thing, is that there's no task too small when it's linked to a greater victory. There's no task too small when it's linked to a greater victory. But so often, it just becomes about a field of beans. And we forget about the cause that it's attached to. And if we ever, church, get to a place where it's all about just taking pictures and not documenting life change. If we ever make it to where we're just doing a song and not bringing people into the presence of God. If we ever make it where it's just about shirt design and it not being an invitation for people to encounter Jesus. Then what we have done is turned a place of victory into a field of beans. Because it wasn't about the beans. It was never about the beans. For him, he was defending the victory that it was attached to. And in your life, when you start feeling frustrated and all of a sudden you're just clocking in to do church, you've forgotten the cause. Eleazar was never about the beans. It was about the cause that it was attached to. And, and I began to think about how in our lives, it's all about the place. And if you want to get back into a place of spiritual momentum, into a place where you feel like God is there and the wind's in your sails, you've got to get to a place where you embrace the place that God has for you. Because he knew that was his place to defend. Moses was on the backside of the wilderness being faithful to what God had told him. When all of a sudden God shows up in a moment, it was never about the wilderness, but it was about the cause that was attached to Moses' life. Elijah was looking for Elisha when he was behind 12 yoke of oxen in a completely unseen, forgotten place. And let's just say that when you're serving in any area of a church, you can feel completely unseen and completely forgotten like you're in that field of beans, but you forget that it's the cause that you're attached to. It's the meaning behind. There's something so much bigger. And I'll just say this, that David felt like he was forgotten and overlooked in a field. 
But then all of a sudden, God shows up in a moment and he knew exactly where he was. Why? Because it was the cause that his life was attached to. Your life is attached to something so much greater than the part that you play every Sunday morning. And it's about something so much bigger than what you even realize. But if we ever lose sight of the cause, then we lose sight of the bigger purpose. And, and what happens is it becomes a field of beans. And I don't know about you, but my life isn't worth pinto beans. And that's why people walk out the door. That's why people fail to give their lives because they forget that what they're a part of is something so much more than something smart. The third person that is talked about is Abishai. And he shows us this, that no task is too small, even when it doesn't get used. Abishai is interesting to me because in 1 Chronicles eleven seventeen through 19, it says, And David longingly said, Oh, that someone would give me water to drink from the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. And the three mighty men broke through the camp of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem, which was by the gate, and brought it to David. But David would not drink it, and he poured it out before the Lord and said, My God forbid that I should do such a thing. Shall I drink for uh, the blood of these men who have given their, put their lives in jeopardy? Now, I'll just pause to tell you this, that if I risked my life to get you a cup of water, you better drink that water. Like for real, like they literally risked their lives, not for something that they had to do, but just by hearing on a whim of what he wanted, they were willing to give their life for it. And then they give it to him and he pours it out. Like I would be, I'm not even going to lie. I would be kind of ticked off. I mean, I buy Brian toaster strudel and if he doesn't eat it, I get a little ticked off, right? I mean, like I'll bake him a cake sometimes and he won't eat it because he's on stupid diet all the time. And it makes me kind of angry. And I just began to think about how no task is too small, even when it doesn't get used. And I just thought about how Abishai wouldn't have been even mentioned if he would have gotten offended in that moment. And most of us never get to the next level that God has for us, because if we'll just be honest, it wasn't a glass of water that we served, but we opened a door. We weren't rostered for the big service that we felt like we should have gotten a spot on. Uh, come on, I'm going to talk real to you. Hey, yeah, you see everybody else's pictures on the Instagram feed, but yours didn't make it again. And bitterness hits your heart when you see that their picture got 100 likes and yours got 10 Come on, somebody. Why doesn't anybody recognize my gift? But what I love about Abishai, what made him great was no task was too small, even when it didn't get used the way he wanted it to be used. He was still just happy to be serving, to, connected to the cause that he was a part of. And so I'll just say this in Matthew eleven six, 6, it says, and blessed, happy, fortunate, and to be envied is he who takes no offense at me and finds no cause for stumbling in or through me and is not hindered from seeing the truth. See, here's the thing is Jesus is like, you're going to have chances to get offended. You're going to have chances to get offended. I'll be honest, I have chances to get offended, right? But it's making the decision that no task is too small, even when it doesn't get used. Offended people are this, if you're taking notes. Number one, offended people begin to be selfish. It's all about them. It's all about them. They begin, because I'll just say this, they, they view everything. The second thing is they, they're insecure because they view everything as an attack. Now, everything that's being said, every post that's made is actually an attack against you, and you read everything through that lens. The third thing is offended people are negative. 
They don't believe the best about people in situations. They immediately go to the worst. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13 in the message translation, I love that it says, love believes the best, hopes the best. Come on, somebody. And so when we're walking in God's love, we believe the best in everything. Abishai could have gotten totally offended and been like, wow, really, David? And gone on a negative spiral, went and told everybody in the camp, can you believe what a jerk he is? He didn't even take a sip of it. And I nearly gave my life. He nearly gave his life. And we feel like we're offended whenever we snap a a picture. Right? I mean, he nearly gave his life. Okay, so the fifth thing, are you guys, are y'all getting something? A fourth thing is we become an easy mark for Satan. Because when we're offended, the enemy begins to run rampant in our thoughts and in our emotions. So now our feelings decide whether or not we're coming to church because we don't want to see them. I don't want to serve with them. I I don't want to sing on that team. I, I I can't give them a second chance on our team. The last time I rostered them, they didn't show up. Come on, somebody. And so, and then this, the next thing that happens is number five is we become miserable. Because you can never be free when you're walking in offense. And now you're miserable because you're completely bondage to that thing. And then the sixth thing that happens, which is the saddest, is offended people begin to have God's plan for their life hindered. Because you can't move in God's power and his presence when you're offended. You can't. And that's why the enemy wants you so badly to begin to compare yourself. And that's why I'll just, I'm going to talk to you honestly. That's why a lot of churches don't have lots of strong worship leaders. Because once one person becomes strong, they suppress everybody else because they don't want anybody outshine them. That's why Candace Martinez is amazing because she's continuously lifting people up. That's why a lot of people have one creative director. I've been to churches of 5,000 and they have one creative person who runs everything. You know why? Because they suppress everybody else because they can't stand somebody else doing better than them where your creative director celebrates when you take great pictures, celebrates when you're crushing it, celebrates the successes that you have in your life. See, what happens is our God's plan for our life begins to be hindered. The next thing, and I'm running short on time, so I'm going to try to do good here. In James 3.16, it says, For wherever there is jealousy, envy, contention, rivalry, and selfish ambition, there will also be confusion, unrest, disharmony, rebellion, and all sorts of evil and vile practices. I felt this so strong in preparing this for tonight. And I'm telling you right now, some of you have need to let, you need to let it go. You need to let it go. So what? Let it go. It doesn't really matter. Because at the end of the day, if the kingdom is advancing, does it really matter if my name gets the credit? Can you celebrate just as much when somebody else gets the credit? Can you celebrate just as much when somebody else crushes the song that was your song? Can you celebrate just as much when somebody else is getting what you wanted? The recognition, the, the accolades, whatever you want to say. So the next person that I want you to see is Benaiah. Benaiah is the third of David's three mighty men. And I think if he had something to teach us, it would be this. No task is too small, even when the obstacle seems large. 
No task is too small, even when the obstacle seems large. In First Chronicles 11.22, it says, Benaiah, son of Jehodiah, whose father was a valiant man of Kebazil, and had done mighty deeds. He slew the two sons of Ariel of Moab. Also, he went down and slew a lion in a pit in the time of snow. Okay, I'll just say this. That sometimes I, I feel like this. It's in the bigness of it all, you begin to wonder, does this really matter? Like you're thrown in a pit with a lion on a snowy day. You're by yourself. All your friends are gone, right? So, so what that you've had victories in the past, right? So what that you've succeeded in other areas. Now you find yourself in a pit with a lion on a snowy day. I would ask myself the question, does it really matter? Like, does me fighting right now really matter? Because let's just be honest, with 30,000 people in our two different cities that we're reaching, sometimes it gets to feeling like, does this really matter? Yes, we had a thousand people in attendance collectively between the two campuses, but I'll just say that's not even 10% of the population of the two cities. Does it really matter? Does it really matter if we do this? Does it really matter if we park cars? Does it really matter and all the things? Because I'll just say that sometimes in the bigness of it all, our task seems so small. To reach a city really through Insta stories? <laughs> To reach a city really because our lighting's great and the words are right on the screen? Like, does it really matter? But I love that Beniah realized that no task was too small, even when the obstacles seem large. And so here's the thing, is that he realized that everything matters. I love that Mother Teresa says this, if I look at the masses, I will never take a step of action. I love that so much. If I look at the masses, I will never take a step of action. And sometimes I'll just say, with the bigness of the need in our lives, because let's just be honest, we all have obstacles that seem large. And it seems like showing up to serve today, does it really matter? Does it really matter when I'm believing God for financial freedom? Does it really matter when my marriage is falling apart? Does it really even matter? But I'll tell you that every act of obedience matters and nothing is wasted in the kingdom of God. Uh, the disciples, when they gave, uh, when Jesus gave them the the assignment of feeding the multitude, they were overwhelmed at the need. But here's the thing is that when we get overwhelmed, the need seems bigger than our God. And they came back to Jesus and they were like, Jesus, does it really even matter? We just have a sack lunch, but Jesus in a moment multiplies it and it's more than enough. See, here's the thing is Benaiah had everything he needed whenever he took a step of action. And the same is true in your life. If we begin to think about the small tasks that we have and it looks so little and insignificant, but that small step of obedience, God can do so much with it. And Benaiah was able to have a great victory that day, not because he let himself be given to the overwhelm, but because he was just willing to do what he had. See, God will bring us two things that we are not equipped for, not skilled enough to conquer, that we don't have the education to be able to even know the first know-how and how to do it, right? And that we don't have anyone else to even show us the way. But yet at the end of the day, God's going to help us do it. And it's just if we have have the attitude that no task is too small, even when the obstacle seems large. So I believe, I don't think that I know the whole secret sauce of, of what makes people say and what makes people don't, but I'll just say this. It's the people who decide to stay the path no matter what. It's the people that decide, you know what, I'm not going to be here today and gone tomorrow. I'm going to stick with this. I'm not going to let my emotions tell me what to do. I'm not going to let the bigness of the obstacle, I'm not going to let offense get in the way, but I'm just going to keep being faithful to the 
last thing that God's told me. And and I love what, oh man, Pastor Brian's message was just so good on Sunday. And, and as he was talking about just excellence and us giving our best to God, I began to think about how he the scripture he gave when they made the tabernacle. He talks about how the angels were sown into the inside veil of the Holy of Holies. Now I want you to think about this, Courtney, that you got the job of sowing the angels on the inside of the veil of the Holy of Holies. That sounds pretty special, right? I mean, it's the inside veil of the Holy of Holies. Until you study the tabernacle and you find out the Holy of Holies, the only person who saw it was God. There wasn't allowed to be a light inside the Holy of Holies. She gave all that time sowing with intricate detail for something that only God would see. That blows my mind. And yet she still remembered to this day. And that God still makes mention of it here today. I'm just here to tell you that your small acts, they may look so small and insignificant in, in this time. And some of you feel like only God sees it and nobody else is applauding for it. Can I tell you that maybe your task is sowing those angels on the inside of the Holy of Holies? And you may not have the wow and the spect- like the spectacular moment from everybody else, but to God it matters and it's significant and he, he honors it and he loves it and he's given it it to you and it's something so special that you're able to cherish just you and him and that to me is enough and so I say that to say let's be a people that just decide that you know what we're going to stay the path we're going to do what God's called us to do because no task is too small can I pray for you as we close out our time together Jesus we just thank you for who you are and Lord I just thank you right now Lord I declare over every single one of us Lord no task is too small Lord, there's nothing insignificant. There's no small part, whether it's assembling a stage so people can stand on it, though we ourselves never stand on it. If it's setting up chairs, even though we ourselves don't feel like we get to even sit because we're busy doing for everybody else. If it's taking pictures, if it's whatever it is, God, I think you know task is too small in your kingdom. And so, Father, right now, we just say yes to what you have for us. Lord, I thank you that we're not going to be of those that fall away, but God, we're going to be of those that stay faithful. Lord, let it be said of us, like in Hebrews chapter 3 about Moses, that it says that he was faithful to your house to the very end. God, I thank you we're going to be faithful to your house. We're going to be faithful to what you called us to. Lord, I thank you that we won't be offended. We won't um, let there be divisions. Lord, right now I just break off a fence in Jesus' name. Lord, where rivalries trying to creep in and insecurity has reeled its head, I just say no more in Jesus' name. Father, we break the back of that thing. Lord, we break it right now in Jesus' name. I just want you right now, I know there's over 90% of this room right now, you're walking in a fence. I just want you right now, I want you in your heart, I want you to see that person. And Lord, right now, we just choose to let it go. We choose to let it go. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you that you are a vindicator. You are the lifter of our head. Lord, we let it go. Father, I thank you that this house, Lord, is going to be a house that has so many songs flowing out of it. So many-